This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Someone suddenly comes on this great windfall of money. More often than not, we read the stories of how it destroys their lives. It destroys their families. It destroys their focus. Friends, uh, they have to separate themselves. The drive, and they suddenly just a few years later, even though they may have received multitude of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, just a short time later, they're, they're broke. You see, the most important things in the mind of God, those things that aren't materially measured. Often the things that the world considers blessings are actually counterproductive to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Chasing after personal achievements, money, fame, relationships, it's all vanity. To really know Him, believers must rid themselves of all the idols and clutter that can accumulate in our hearts. Don't leave any room for the junk of this world. It's all temporary. When it eventually falls away, what will be left? Fill your heart with the Lord and you'll see eternity. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Psalms, chapter 145, verse 1 with our continuing study entitled The Blessing of God's Choosing. We can't help, really, to give Him glory and praise if our minds are stayed on Him. And it's not because He's some celestial egomaniac that says, you will praise me or I will wipe you off the face of the earth. No, that's, that's the ideal and that's the thought of the pagan gods. They say, you praise me and I'll make sure that your fields are, are good. You praise me and I'll make sure that your families uh, grow. You praise me and I'll make sure. No, that's not the attitude of our God as much as the reality is he is so worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. And when we understand, when we grow in that understanding, and beloved, our, just as a natural outflow of our lives would be this praise and this worship because of the greatness of His splendor and His majesty. The psalmist has declared to us in Psalm 34.1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, the only way that that's going to be there is if we're thinking about Him on a continual basis. If I'm all about myself, if I'm all caught up in my situation, that's not going to be my heart. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13 verse 15 tells us, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Yes, not just in mind only. But out of our very lips, out of our, out of, out of using our voices as those instruments of praise. As we go into Ephesians to again assist us to be able to first and foremost focus the reality of the worship that we need to have toward God. I want to take the time to, to look at a particular psalm that we have. It's Psalm 145. And we're going to be back in Ephesians, but I want you to look at Psalm 145 with me, if you would. A great psalm of, of just praise and worship to our God. Psalm 145 is just 21 verses long. We're not going to expound upon it, uh, not very much anyway. You guys that know me know better. Uh, but uh, I want to draw your attention to it. 
says that it's a praise of David. So that works today, right? My, my name's David, too. So. <laughs> he says in verse 1, he says, I will extol you. I will exalt you. I will lift you up. I will praise you. That's what that word means. I will extol you, my God, my O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It says in verse 4, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It's your responsibility. For those of you who are, have reached the age of adulthood, brother, wherever you're at in that age, but uh, it, it is our responsibility to declare verbally the greatness of our God to the next generation. It just blows me away when I hear of parents that say, well, we're going to let our children find God on their own. We don't want to push this on them. Beloved, we are called to declare it to the next generation. That's our responsibility. The reality and the strength of Christianity is only one generation strong. And if that generation fails, you know what? Oh, woe be to the next generation. We are called to be proclaimers of the truth. It says, I'm going to praise to that next generation. We're going to declare your mighty works. Verse 5, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Oh, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. We are called to be witnesses to the world that's around us. That means to be witnesses to those, yes, that we work with, those within our neighborhoods, within our schools, within our families. It says we are called, we are called to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. That's all of us. That's not just the, the pastor's job. That's not just the church leadership job. That's the call of all of us who proclaim and declare the reality and the truth of salvation through Christ. He goes on in verse 13. He says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall. Anybody in here fall lately? The Lord is your strength. The Lord is the one who upholds you. He says that he raises up all who are bowed down. Now it's one thing to bow down and worship, but I really believe that this bowed down is the reality, in fact, of the weight of just the world, the weight of our own foolishness of decisions, those things that just weigh us down. It's the Lord that's able to raise us up. He says in verse 15, The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, gracious 
in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. You know, there's one thing that you and I need to notice about that psalm. He didn't ask for a thing. It was just all praise and all worship. There's another thing that we need to notice. Though in a very general sense, he says, Lord, you, you, you feed and, and you care for all of your creation. Not once in all of that psalm did he say, thank you, Lord, for helping me pay that mortgage bill last week. Or, uh, Lord, thank you for even healing me at that point. My thought in, in this whole direction is not that we're not to thank him for these things. Not that we're not to give him glory and praise and thanksgiving for what he does specifically in our life. But beloved, if that's the only time you praise him, if that's the only time you worship him, is when your requests are fulfilled, then suddenly you're creating a God after your own image. You're creating a God that jumps at your command, a God that is controlled by your puppet strings, rather than realizing that we are his creation, and we are to worship him just simply because of the reality of who he is, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances that we are surrounded with, because we need to get our eyes, we need to get our uh, thoughts, all of this process, out of the situation of the circumstances that we're in, in order to be able to worship him fully and truly and completely. Otherwise, it is such a selfish worship. Oh, I love you, Lord, because you have taken care of me. Back in Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. I don't want to negate the reality that he does bless us. But I believe that our focus first and foremost needs to be on the reality and the truth of just who he is. So my second point is, his blessings do abound in our lives. All that we are, all, all that we could ever be, is in the hand of this great and mighty God. And we need to understand that. The spiritual blessings that we receive by the hand of God are because of our relationship with and through Christ. These spiritual blessings can't even be compared to the worldly or the earthly blessings that we have. Spiritual blessings transcend the, the temporal. They're, they're, they're not of this world. They're not dependent upon any earthly thing. They're independent of all of our worldly circumstances. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Are you catching that reality? That's the only way that the hope of this gospel message can move from a middle class, 21st century, middle America to the slums of India and still be strong and true. It's the only way that this gospel message can move from people who have relative freedom to those who are enchained because of their faith in Christ. 
To understand and know that, man, the spiritual blessings aren't ours yet. Oh, it's ours because I've got that new house, because I've got that new car, because I have clothes to wear, because my bank account is full. Oh, how blessed I am. No, that is a blessing, and yes, that's fine. But you need to understand that the spiritual blessings are much, much greater than even that. Why Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. And he's not talking about being in Arkansas or Tennessee versus Arizona. It just doesn't. That's not what he's speaking about. He's talking about the condition that he's in. Whether he's abounding or a base, whether he's prospering or whether he's, again, absolutely flat broke. And where we read here that he's blessed us with these spiritual blessings. In the heavenly places in Christ, you need to understand that when Paul wrote that, he didn't say heavenly places, he says in the heavenlies. We sometimes confuse this and we think in the heavenly places as being the pie in the sky by and by. Well, eventually I'm going to be able to be a recipient of those spiritual blessings, but right now I'm on this earthly place, but I know that when I die I'll be in that heavenly place. No. The understanding that we have of this, it's not just the, the, the reality of the dwelling place of God. No, it's in the spiritual realm. And whether you understand it or not, you need to come to understand that right now, today, all around us is the spiritual realm. We can't touch it. Most often we don't see it, but that makes it no less real. And the spiritual realm that is all around us, not only are the blessings of God there, but there's great battles that are going on right there. We need to be at least cognizant of that. All that we actually see, all the things that we can actually hold on to, all the things that we can actually touch right now, we need to understand that's all going to burn up one of these days. It's going to be gone. And yet, so many, even as believers, we put so much of our energy, so much of our focus, so much of our drive, so much of our passion on the things that are just simply going to burn up and perish with their use. Rather than understanding that, we need to be investing in eternity. We need to be investing in the spiritual realm. Those things that are and that will continue to be. All of this is temporary. A lot of times we measure a man's blessings by the size of his bank account, don't we? We measure a man's blessings by the amount of his worldly possessions. We measure a man's blessings even from God by his physical or mental abilities or her capabilities. Oh, he is so blessed of God or she is so blessed of God. Look all that's going on in their life. I want to change your thinking. Can those things be blessings? Yes, they can be, but sometimes they can also be a curse. I mean, we hear story after story of people who have won mega million dollars through the Powerball. And please, don't, don't throw your money after that. I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, proverb that says that a fool and his money are quickly departed. Uh, but if someone suddenly comes on this great windfall of money, more often than not, we read the stories of how it destroys their lives. It destroys their families. It destroys their focus. Friends, uh, they have to separate themselves. The drive, and they suddenly, just a few years later, even though they may have received multitude of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, just a short time later, they're, they're broke. You see, the most important things in the mind of God are those things that aren't 
materially measured. Once there was an old man who lived in a tiny village. Although poor, he was envied by all. Because he owned this beautiful white horse, and even the king coveted his treasure. A horse like this had never been seen before. Such was its splendor, its majesty, and its strength. People offered fabulous prizes for this steed, but the old man always refused. This horse is not just a horse to me. He's a friend. He's not a possession. How could I sell a friend? But the man was poor, and the temptation was great. But he never sold the horse. Then one morning he found that the horse was not in the stable, and all of the village came out to see him. They declared, you old fool! We told you that someone would steal your horse. We warned you that you'd be robbed. You're so poor, how could you ever hope to protect such a valuable animal? It would have been better if you had sold him. You could have gotten whatever price you wanted. No amount would have been too high. But now the horse is gone, and you've been cursed with misfortune. The old man responded, Oh, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in its stable. That's all we know. And the rest of it is judgment. If I be cursed or not, how can you know? How can you judge? People contested, don't make us out to be fools. We may not be philosophers, but great philosophy is not needed. The simple fact that your horse is gone is a curse. The old man spoke again. All I know is that the stable is empty and the horse is gone. The rest I don't know, and whether it's a curse or a blessing, I can't say. All we can see is a fragment who can say what will come next? People of the village laughed at him. They thought the man was crazy. They'd always thought that he was a fool. If he wasn't, he would have sold that horse and lived off the money. But instead, he's a poor woodcutter. An old man still cutting firewood and dragging it out of the forest and selling it. He lived hand to mouth in the misery of poverty. Now he's proven that he was indeed a fool. After about 15 days, the horse returned. He hadn't been stolen. He had run away into the forest. And not only did he return, but he brought with him a dozen wild horses. Once again, the village people gathered around the woodcutter and spoke, Old man, you were right and we were wrong. What we thought was a curse was a blessing. Please forgive us. The man responded, once again you speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is back. State only that a dozen horses returned with him. But don't judge. How do you know if this is a blessing or not? You see only a fragment. Unless you know the whole story, how can you judge? You read only one page of the book and thus you judge the book. You read only one word or phrase. Can you understand the entire phrase? Life is so vast, and yet you judge all of life with one page or one word. All you have is a fragment. Don't say that this is a blessing. No one knows. I'm content with what I know, and I'm not perturbed by what I don't know. Hmm. Maybe the old man was right, they said to one another. 
So they said little, but down deep, they knew that he was wrong. They knew that it was a blessing. I mean, 12 wild horses had returned with the one horse. Why, with a little bit of work, the animals could be broken and trained and sold for a lot of money. The old man had a son, his only son. The young man began to break these wild horses, and after a few days, he fell off of one of the horses and broke both of his legs. Once again, the villagers gathered around the old man and they cast their judgments. You were right, they said. You proved you were right. Those dozen horses were not a blessing. They were actually a curse. Your only son has broken his legs, and now in your old age, you have no one to help you. Now you are poorer than ever. The old man had to speak again. You, you, you people are obsessed with judging. Don't go so far. Only say that my son has broken his legs. Who knows if it's a blessing or a curse? No one knows. We only have a fragment. Life comes in fragments. So happened that a few weeks later, the country engaged in war against the neighboring country. And all of the young men of the village were required to join the army. Only the son of the old man was excused because he was injured. Once again, the people gathered around the old man, crying and, and then screaming. Because their sons had been taken. The enemy was strong and the war was going to be a losing struggle. They would most likely never see their sons again. You were right, old man, they wept. God knows you were right, and this proves it. Your son's accident was actually a blessing. His legs may be broken, but at least he's with you, and our sons are now gone forever. The old man spoke again. It's impossible to talk with you. You always draw conclusions. No one knows. Say only this, your sons had to go to war, and mine did not. No one knows that it's a blessing or a curse. No one is wise enough to know, only God knows. Beloved, for you and I, in our lives, blessings come in a variety of patches. Some are spiritual, and some are material. But which ones, for you, are really and truly the most important in your life? Don't give me a church answer, okay? Because the real answer of which is most important, spiritual blessings or material blessings, the proof of that lays in the contentment of your life. If you're discontent, your focus is on the material. And we need to so much get our eyes off the material. And get on the reality and the truth of the greatness of our God. The reality that He has given to us every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Paul gives us a glimpse of some of these in the next several verses that we'll be looking at in the coming weeks. But I want to close today with just a reminder that as the Lord has given and done so much for us, 
we still need to be reminded. He is great. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. You can look out with nothing. If we can't praise our God and still be a beggar on a street corner blind, and beloved, is he really God to us? Or is he just a great vending machine? Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Ephesians next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on The Open Word, subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Open Word Radio. You can subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend, follow the Open Word Twitter feed, or to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.